1: Two, three, four, five. I'm going to cook a meal that's
0: going to make you mine We're turning up the oven, now we're ready to roast When you touch me, honey, you're loving it most Come on and put me in your loving
2: shoes Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name is Stuart Wright, and today's guest are Alex Kidd and Everett Mossoy. Welcome to the show.
3: Hi.
4: Hi. Thank you very much for having us.
2: It's my pleasure. My pleasure. I've literally got you in my living room, which is a rare thing given I do so much over Zoom. Um we're here to talk about Jukefest, the return 2022, I do believe. Yeah. Let's let's first say what the dates are of that, right out the gate.
4: A Sunday, the thirty first of July at the Prince Charles, and it runs through till Wednesday, the third of August, again at the Prince Charles, but with two nights at the King and Queen's pub in Fitzrovia.
3: I, I like that. Neither of us quite knew the dates. Uh, it's uh,
4: it's awkward because what the one day is in July. If it was like 1st to the 4th of August, you could just say that. But you have to say Sunday, 31st okay, of no, August. Okay, no
3: more dates. Let's not confuse people before they start.
2: <laughs> Let's start with, uh, for those that are not familiar, despite this being a return, uh, with some brief introduction to Duke. Who is Evram?
3: All right. Who's Evram? So my name is Evram Arsoy and I am one of the co-founders of the Duke and I am a programmer and a film person by trade and Duke is basically the passion project that I have with this fine man next to me who shall introduce himself next. Indeed. Who is Alex?
4: I am Alex and I like it when Evram does all the talking and does all the presenting and things. I like being in the background, pressing play, and coming up with funny ideas, and looking for strange trailers, and weird old VHS tapes, uh, so I like to be, I always think of myself as the mystery man, even though I'm probably not, Um Evrim is, is, is really the lead, but I'd be quite happy to be invisible at the nights and just doing my own little thing, and getting on with it, even though I'm going to be presenting a lot of this, so I've just contradicted myself straight away.
3: And I will say, Alex is also uh, my best friend. So we've Thank been you. we've been friends for a very long time, um, even longer than the Duke, I think.
4: Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Who
3: or what is Duke Mitchell? I'll start. Um, so Duke Mitchell is an actor, a filmmaker, and a lounge singer, and he also happens to be the name father of our. Uh, film club first, and now festival. So when we started doing this uh, 15 years ago, it was actually just an extension of what we did in my living room over the weekend, which is discovering new, interesting, unusual, offbeat uh, cinema, trailers, short films, public service announcements, whatever you can think of that's been committed to celluloid We're interested in it. And I don't know about, you know, you, Stuart, or anyone else out there, but I find it really hard to find people who are interested in just going for a full discovery. You know, I'm constantly want to find out more because I know my lifetime is not going to be enough to discover as much as I want to about cinema. And so I don't want to rewatch the same film over and over again. And I don't want to sort of uh, sit in these comfort zones with the same art over and over again I constantly want to discover and when I met Alex it was you know a very similar thing Alex is constantly looking for you know what's new what's rare what's odd what's out there this this it's like being an archaeologist in a way and so when we found you know each other's interests it was great because we just bring stuff for a weekend and we just sit there looking at you know hours and hours and hours and hours of Uh, stuff you know we've seen 15 hours of taiwanese ninja movies for my birthday one year with knowing the subtitles in the correct chronological order because we had to see it in the correct chronological order we've done three to five hours of a man who wanted to deny all scientific knowledge of viruses and what louis pasteur did and got it through vhs's on amazon and you know it's that kind of thing. There isn't many people you can find in the world who be, you'll be like, hey, I've got a five-hour film about rearing dogs. You want to see it? Sure, bring it over. Let's just sit and watch. And that's thats what started us. what What's the curiosity for you with that kind of a, a
4: sort of visual adventure? I just don't want to re-watch anything. I get bored. And I always want to see something new. And I want to see something different. And I want to see something that I didn't know about or didn't hear about or wasn't led to. I want to discover my own path. And even if that's something that's very old, it's I feel like I've found it because I've dug for it. Even to this day, 15 years later, I feel like I don't know anything. And we have barely scratched the surface on what's out there. Um, but also the other thing I like doing, and one of the things that feeds into the Duke, is finding things that have disappeared that we find and we bring back, particularly with VHS. There's so much that's just left behind that never made the jump off VHS. You know, countless strange documentaries and training videos and advertising videos and anything you can think of that has been long forgotten and consigned to like a, a bin effectively. So I spend forever scouring like eBay and anywhere I can find all VHS tapes or anything like that to try to bring this stuff back, put it on YouTube, play it on the night, you know, just bring it back to people. I love, I get such a thrill doing that.
2: Could you give us um maybe a good example of something that you've unearthed that's sort of not available in any other format you've brought back to life as it were?
4: Yeah there's uh, there's actually loads of things there was what else I collect as well as VHS is 35 millimeter trailers because again there's a lot of stuff that never made the jump off that and one of the very first things I ever brought on 35 millimeter was an trailer for an incredibly obscure American film called The Long Night, which is also called Steely Brown. It's got two titles. I had to stop for a second there because <laughs> I haven't watched it for ages. Steely Brown. I don't know how this trailer ended up in England. It's an incredibly obscure exploitation film from the 70s. And it had a t- minute release. I don't know how this 35mm trailer ended up in England. But the film is, is semi-lost. And there's no way right now, if you want to go and see it, that you can see it, but what you can do is you can go on YouTube, type it in, and you can watch the trailer because we filmed the trailer um, and we put it online and it brings it back to life for a certain amount of people.
2: It will do, yeah.
4: You know, I know these things aren't huge, but I think if we all do our part, all this stuff coming back out, and it's, it's just there, people find it and want to look for it. And I, I really love that. It's like an archaeological thing. Um, you know, that that was the thing that really started it for me was finding this one 35mm trailer. And since then, it's just... I've carried on with trailers, I've carried on with VHS, anything that's sort of slipped through the cracks that isn't looked for and isn't even really known about, you know, a lot of these things are just, you just have to be aware of it. So when you find it, you actually know what it is.
2: So give people an idea as to what Jukefest is. Do you want to give us, and you can think about this, Alex, while I ask everyone first, sort of two highlights from previous jukefest that spring to mind that would help highlight for the, for the person that doesn't know what DukeFest is, what what they might expect.
3: Uh, Absolutely. And actually, this ties into what Alex was saying, you know, about finding stuff. The other reason why I love doing DukeFest is that um, Alex, when he finds a lot of uh, service and information VHSs, edits them. And no one makes me laugh as hard as Alex's edits. Nothing does. I... I, th- I, th- I, There are times when I get a headache from laughing too much and it's painful. I've actually started carrying paracetamol to the festival at any point because there'll be bits I haven't seen. Alex will keep it secret. And, you know, if it, it, it's hard to choose two highlights, but there's one video which was about Hull that I still, to this day, cannot stop. Did you just say Hull? Yeah. The city yeah. in Yorkshire and Humberside? Yeah, that's the one. It's this, this, this... <laughs> This VHS was released to sort of bring investment and to sell Hull, you know, like Hull, the city of the future. And Alex edited it to such an incredible uh, 10, 12-minute thing that, you know, to this day, it rattles in my head. In fact, in my house, people will just quote from it. And the other one is a a merger of Iceland with, who was it they were merging with? Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iceland were being... No, Iceland are buying out B-Jam. Yeah. So
3: yeah, a merger yeah, yeah, video yeah, yeah. for the board members yeah. of B-Jam about what Iceland's purchase of B-Jam will mean. Now, it sounds dull right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell it to me, everyone. <laughs> well, I mean, when Alex edits it, it becomes, it becomes something else. And, you know, I'm going to cheat here and say, there's also a, a, a train, a home uh, train collectors, you know, people who make train sets video, which I love so much because... Alex took this video, which is a fairly sort of non-offensive video, and he noticed that the guy, when he visits people's houses, walks unexcept- just exceptionally and unusually close to everyone, almost like you don't want him there, and he edited it. And just when you see it, it becomes something else. It's both hilarious and slightly disturbing that this man is like a breath away from every member of public that whose house and looking at the train sets. And so that's that's Duke for me, you know. Duke, it's 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 just irreverent and offbeat, and there is no way you would have encountered any of this. And it's a way of to come to, you know, cherish and celebrate all the stuff. Because you know, one thing I do want to say is we never laugh at anything. It's never any like this stuff is crap, and we're betting for it. I hate that, and I hate that. That's a thing in film clubs and film festivals, you know, come and see the bad film. There are no bad films. What I love, what makes me really happy is seeing people try their best. Sometimes they succeed, sometimes they don't. But being able to celebrate the offbeat, the the, the delightful nature of it, you know, it it makes me happy because life's interesting with the oddballs in it who are trying
4: their best. I really like that there was a film that we played at the first Duke Fest, um... Uh, called Strangers in Paradise. And it's, I never understand why it's not better known because it's a time-traveling sci-fi punk musical. Um, With Nazis. Yeah, with Nazis. (laughs) And it's 80 minutes and it has literally like a song every five minutes and it's all different types of genres. And And it's never been, it's never made the jump off VHS. So the only way you can watch is if you can track down the VHS and there's no DVD of it, you know, there's nothing. And I never understand why no one's licensed it. Officially, we found out that Lionsgate in the UK owned the rights to it, so we contacted them and they actually gave us permission officially to show it in the cinema. And I was so pleased to do that. Um, and it was it was just you know, and it was just like such a treat to be able to show that. And we had to show it from our VHS because they, they didn't even have a copy themselves, but we actually got permission. So I really loved that. And the other thing we used to do is not so much like a specific thing, but we came up with this idea called the. The Great VHS Experiment, where what I would do is I would bring down a box of, of the most obscure, strangest VHS tapes I could find, and we had a VHS player, and, and everybody from the audience could come up and pick one tape, and we would watch like a random five minutes of it, um, and everyone was a host, and it was always so funny, because I'd always bring the best tapes, and it it just, the atmosphere was always just so funny. And so good because you don't know what's going to be on these tapes. It could be the, something boring. It could be something random. It could be something hilarious. Uh, but people didn't know. So the whole point was just like, what are these tapes? And I used to love doing that. That was so much fun. It Was really good.
2: I. I That's the a, a, a memory I have watching. It may have been one of your uh, your fright fest nights, but that you took part in. But I think it was an Australian safety information video
3: which was like gorier than any film I'd seen safety information videos are my obsession and so i always try to play some there'll there'll be some this year i think in the i mean alex released a trailer for duke fest yesterday and it uses my favorite irish safety video which has a group of kindergarten children crushed by a car um it's it's very good i mean you wouldn't ever drive drunk after seeing that but so <laughs> uh, I appreciate you saying that I love those videos those traumatic and I still watch hours of the stuff
2: so this year you're celebrating 15 years that's some achievement do you want do you want to talk about more widely about what what are sort of uh, the London film club scene that you sort of fit in is there is there a context that that people might not be aware of
3: yes and and no because I don't think w- When we started, there was actually a sort of like a film scene slowly coming together and happening. But right now, I obviously, we did have the pandemic, so I'm not going to speak. There's people doing, you know, one or two events that I've seen. In fact, I shared one with Alex a few weeks back. I can't remember what it was about, but I was like, oh, look, this guy's doing something. It's cool because we always want to support everyone else. But when we started, there was like a small scene happening. There was uh, cigarette burns. Uh, There was... Film Bar 70. Film Bar 70. And, you know, we collaborated with a lot of these guys, gals, whoever ran them. We did stuff. We invited them to host slots. You know, when there was, Roxy was a venue, um, they used to do like an all-nighter thing and all the film clubs would come and do a slot. So the Duke fitted in there because everyone had a different, we all have different obsessions. So it was really, you know, Film Bar 70 did incredible celebrations of films you might know but with something unique. But they used to do these, like they did an Edwin Fennec edited video, like 30 minute highlight video, which was so good. You know, it makes you go, I'm not going to swear, but bloody hell, you know, I, I wish I'd done that because I always think, you know, admiring and being jealous in a positive way is really good because it sort of pushes you forward to do something. And, you know, Josh would find incredible 60 mils and you'd be like, wow, Cigarette Burns is doing that? That's really cool. Or he'd get to do an event at the Barbican. You'd be like, what a great venue, you know, like this kind of stuff. And, you know, I felt really good that we were somewhere in there. We were like the odd stepchild that no one could quite label, you know, no one could quite understand. What is it that you do? Well, you know, we show random shit and then it's great and people sometimes come and sometimes don't come and um, but now you know it remains to be seen we moved from a monthly format to this festival once a year because you know time and effort and everything and we will keep doing it you know as long as London people will keep coming out for it I suppose
4: yeah I mean the fest, the season the other clubs it's you know it was really great for a time there were certain people And there was a real – everyone was really supportive of each other. And I think because no one's making any money in this or anything like that. It's all just done for the love. So people would, you know, everyone would turn up at everyone else's night. I mean, things have changed now. The last three years, two years have been, you know, we haven't been able to do anything. So it's really great to be able to come back. Um, But there's always, like, a really nice supportive element to it, even with people that have just started – um, nights recently, if we find out about it, I'll, you know, retweet about them or send them out. You know, it just tries to create a, foster a sort of really nice environment, which is what I like as well. I think that's really good.
2: Let's get on to Duke Fest 2022 then. Uh, opening night is Bloody Oranges. U- UK premiere. UK premiere, congratulations. What is this film, Evram?
3: So let me first thank uh, our friends at Anti-Worlds who are releasing the film theatrically sometime this summer, and they're very kindly letting us show it. Um, This film premiered at Cannes 2021, uh, one of the midnight sections, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't expecting anything great when I sat down to watch it, and I was absolutely blown away. It is a truly a transgressive movie. You know, if you like the cinema of John Waters, if you like cinema that pushes back at you, that's what Bloody Oranges is. It starts off as a sort of vicious satire, and somewhere along the way, morphs into something graphic and violent and angry and brilliant. And when we started thinking, "Well, what could we show this year?" My first thought was, "I want to show Bloody Oranges," and you know, we be- very lucky that uh, Anti-Worlds is letting us have it.
2: Now, you've already given us a, an insight into your obsession with 35 mil um, with trailers, but do you want to give us an insight into what the trailer reel is going to have on the opening night?
4: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you any titles, though. What what I do and what I've been doing for the last sort of two years to build this up is I just scour eBay. I don't have any sort of magic contacts or don't know anyone in the business. But I'm quite happy to just go through eBay relentlessly every day, scouring the world for 35 millimeter trailers and looking for the obscurities. I mean, doing it so long that when something stands out, it, it, I, I don't have to think too much about is it available? I know that it's different. This is something that's unique. And I can, you know, I can look into that. So what we've got is about 10 incredibly ultra rare 35 millimeter trailers that are not on YouTube. So you can't see them they're not on the Blu-rays or DVDs of these films. And they're not on any other trailer compilations, at least as far as I can tell. And some of them are quite well known, you'd be surprised, but there's also some incredible obscurities on there. And I haven't seen any of them, because we haven't got any way to play 35 millimeter trailers, unless we're actually doing a show. So I'm going to be so excited to watch this along with everybody else, because I'm going to be seeing them for the first time. So it's a real treat. And i got to say big thanks to the Prince Charles for really just letting us take over the screen for the night and letting us do whatever we actually want. It's incredibly good of them. So yeah, trailers, you're going to see some stuff you've never even heard of. And I can't wait to see it because I haven't seen them. So. I, do,
3: I do want to say um, with Prince Charles also, it's so refreshing because uh, we're obviously dealing with their head projectionists and he's equally excited to see these trailers. He says, oh, you're one of the f- few people who bring in, you know, 35 mil trailers and it's always so much fun to see what you guys have. So, you know, like everyone's going to discover it with us and enjoy these fill- uh, trailers.
2: And at this stage, as you're talking about the Prince Shells, I presume people get their tickets directly from the Prince Shells.
3: Yeah, there's a link. We shared it on Twitter. It's on our blog. I
2: will put, I will put a link in the show ah,
3: notes. Oh, great. There you go. So you can just buy a ticket. You know, the more people come out and support it, the likelier we are that Prince Charles will let us come back next year.
2: Now let's move on to King and Queen's Nights. Alex, Evram's telling me you won't give much away here. So, Evram, do you want to try and pester him as to what is in Alex's mystery show?
3: Alex has a mystery show, and he's been putting <laughs> this together for a while. How much are you willing to give us tonight? Nothing. Oh.
4: Well, beyond the description of it. Go on. Basically last year, we were going to do early last year, we were going to do a one off special event night for a special occasion. And we couldn't do it. Obviously, we couldn't do it. But I'd done a lot of work preparing for this. And up to a certain point, I started to think, yeah, this isn't going to happen. So I'd done a certain amount of work that I was really happy with. And then we just couldn't do it. And I don't want to not do that. And I don't want to build what this event is as what that night was because it'd just be really confusing because it's not that night anymore. So it's a mystery show, but it's very Duke-like in its content. So, but are you, it's all new stuff. It's all new work. So you're going to see, if you like the Duke, come down because you're just going to like it. <laughs> and I have sort of sneaked in some other stuff. So it's effectively two shows because we realized we, we got more time on that night. So it's going to make it even more complicated because it's kind of two mystery shows because there was another thing I was working on and I thought, let's just play everything. But I'm not going to say anything more than that. Beyond... I'm glad
3: you simplified it. Now I get it really easy.
4: The One of the things with the Duke is, we were talking about other people's film nights, is the Duke is really, really hard to define what it is. Everything about the Duke is effectively, not intentionally, but effectively anti-commercial. No one knows who Duke Mitchell is and they don't know what the film club is. And then they, we don't stick to any one thing. We, you can't pin us down. So we can't build like an audience that likes this sort of genre because we only do it once and then we'll jump to like musicals and then we'll jump to documentaries and then we'll show VHS tapes and then we won't even tell you. We've done loads of mystery nights. And so the Duke is like an acquired taste.
0: You have one unheard message. <laughs>
1: serving collectors since 1945.
4: Sometimes and even this like a mist no one else does a mystery event Well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You just have <laughs> yeah. to trust. You're
2: going pre- <laughs> to you're going to preview so, it on the basis of trust. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and it's like
4: well what you know, Mr. you know, the average person is just going to not know who Duke Mitchell is. Think Duke Mitchell is the host. What is this? When well, I don't know what they're going to show.
3: I I have received uh, Duke emails in the past, you know, like hey yeah. Duke uh, I yeah, I wish I was Duke, but I'm not sadly.
2: I mean, I should I should as then maybe as a, as an audience member in the past. Then for for the person listening who's never been, then part of the fun of a Duke Mitchell not a Duke fest or Duke Mitchell night is the interaction. It's not just you showing us stuff and going. Ta-da! There is a there's an element of like I'm guessing with the mystery show where it'll be stopping and starting, and there'll be a chance to yes comment talk interact with the audience and stuff, isn't it? That's very much part of what happens.
4: We do show feature films where we introduce it, but in some ways those are my least favourite nights because I like the interaction. We introduce everything. Mm. So we're the hosts for the night. And everyone's like the main host. But there are times when I will do a show... And it's always like short clips, but we contextualize it and tell you tell you the story yeah. behind it and prime you for why you're watching. It. I, I you're like,
2: just... I like your teases where you go, this, you will not believe. And you'll start to get, you know, you'll start to give us some shape yeah. and then it's still a surprise.
4: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that works because yeah, I mean, it, it's not uh, just a show and a film. It's about the stories behind things and why we're showing it. And, also, because you're going to see something you don't really understand. I have to kind of give some sort of context and explanation to it. Like if we just played a video about Hull, you know, if we advertise <laughs> that, like, you're not going to come. But if I tell you that I found it online on, on eBay and ordered it and tell you all about it and, and that you would never see it, that's been forgotten about. That might be the only copy of that video left. You know, they—they'll have been. They won't be made. Many made, and they'll all be thrown away after the time. VHS died. They'll all be thrown away. So these things to survive. A lot of the stuff we've got is probably the only copy, or possibly the only
2: copy. Fifteen years of Duke is going to be part of what you'll be celebrating. So what is it, or is it not?
3: (laughs) Well, what. I have no idea. Is the honest answer to give right now? Okay, um, this is uh, this is. Something... You know, this is previewing and pre publicity, yeah, don't you? Okay, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still don't know. Um, <laughs> this came as an idea from Alex that it, it'd be fun t- for me to do a, you know, an oral, visual, uh, sort of audio history of fifteen years of Duke. But as per, you know, tradition with me, I have no idea what I'm doing yeah. yet. It will be something. Okay, we will celebrate fifteen years of the Duke, but through what and how? You know, ask me the day before, and I might know, or I might still not know. I, 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 I tend to be the more uh, just chaotic when putting these things together. Alex is very methodical, and and you know, he makes sure everything's great and works and everything. And I tend to be more like, here's an idea, and I'll just pull at it till it comes apart, and it works. And, you know, people People know what they're going to get with me. Be, um, there'll be some videos that we've shown in the past. More than likely, there'll be trailers that I love, that I still love and talking about, you know, like in the context of the 15 years of Duke, how do they fit in and what do they mean? I'll probably bring some, you know, old, shitty, embarrassing pictures. We'll probably look at some of the venues we went to, you know, like it'll be a celebrating ourselves because, 15 years is not bad, you know. No, 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 for, no. For, for two blokes with no money and, and earning nothing and just, like, doing it off their own backs. It's, it's all right. It survived this long. I'm impressed.
2: No, no, no. I'm I'm impressed, too. I mean, I I, I put out my 600th podcast this week, so as, we, as we recorded. Correct. Amazing, amazing. And, again, I had similar financial backing.
4: <laughs> well, I've, I've always said the Duke is a money-losing operation. It's not anything about it, it just whatever i've got to say it again it's just what everyone said what you're seeing is an extension of what we used to do at Evrim's house it's that's it's literally that we simple we still do yeah and <laughs> it, it's just that and you're invited to the party and the reason it's lasted 15 years is because we love doing it um the amount of work we put into it is not worth it doesn't equate it doesn't make <laughs> sense like i will do work for so long and we just do show that show once it's not like we're going to take it on tour it's our new act <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but it does make sense because i love doing it and the reward is i enjoyed it and i know it exists and i'm bringing something into it and you can all come and watch it and then we put it on youtube afterwards and that has its own life you know so it in, in
2: a way, way you're, you're kind of like you're kind of mavens for obscure visual things aren't you if, if you yeah. have a better expression <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's fair for fear of i might not get i might get a straight answer here
4: <laughs> the secret society. Oh, yeah, this is more. Yeah. This yeah. is more. Can,
2: can you tell me more about this? Yeah, yeah, so secret society yeah. is, so what is it and, and how did you come across it? This is
4: a fascinating show. Um, Like all, I don't want to say too much because you're going to do the same talk on the night, but like a lot of good Duke events. It started with a VHS tape. Um, I won't tell the whole story, but we found out about this tape and I didn't know what it's, this thing was. And it just said secret society. And I looked into it, and and it turns out that in the mid-'80s, there was a BBC TV show called Secret Society that was uh, hosted and produced and written by um, a journalist called Duncan Campbell. Um, And he delves into, like, the secrets of the government and the military, and it's actually a pretty hard-hitting show. And what was really interesting was that one of the... um, episodes was completely banned from being shown by the government because it delved into the british spy satellites and gave was going to give away all the secrets and so this was instantly banned and at the time this becomes a huge um a about it bbc offices get raided it's the lead news lead thing on the bbc news Jeez, and this has kind of been forgotten about and i don't want to say it's not important it is important but we didn't know anything about it So we came across this tape in a way, in a a funny way. And I I won't, you know, we'll talk about that more on the night. But we are going to look at this band episode and the furore around it. Brilliant. I'd never heard of this. So maybe we spread the story a little bit more. A few more people find out about it. It's very interesting.
2: Now, Evram, it strikes me as this is probably the toughest challenge of of a kind of juke night. Best of the worst. How how are you
3: How are you programming this? It basically, you know, having done this 15 years, there's been a lot of occasions where uh, things don't work the way they should. And so, you know, I wanted to do a brief show looking at stuff that never quite landed the way it should. A great example, which I won't show in the night, is actually Strangers in Paradise, right? <laughs> Alex was talking about it. Strangers in Paradise is my favourite lost film. Uh, I've watched it now over 50 times. It is i ripped the VHS and it's a permanent file on my laptop. If I'm somewhere and I don't know what I'm doing, I'll put it on because I love it. I just love it. But I've yet to find anyone else who actually ends up liking it. I've shown it to other festivals across the world. Flop. Just recently, my friend of mine who works with me at a festival in Amsterdam, there's a weird movie night with his colleagues in Mexico And he's like, you know, make some suggestions. So this was one of them and they watched it and they all hated it. So this film never lands (laughs) and I don't care. I still think it's brilliant. It
4: has the most incredible moving final song, which is like a sort of lost John Lennon song, as we always say, which is genuinely, it's, I don't want to spoil it, but it's so moving and just so... I don't even know how to describe it, especially in these times.
3: Remember that the number to call to pledge your donations is
4: 1-800-6666-1776.
3: And now, please welcome into your homes and into your minds and hearts that master extraordinary powers, Jonathan Sage.
4: It, it, that film is it grows on me more as time goes by, but the end song is just I can listen to it over and over and over and over again. It's just incredible. I love that film. I don't understand how anyone who likes cult films doesn't get it. I guess it, I guess that's why it's a <laughs> cult film because people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. but we like it. I mean, uh, Nicole doesn't
3: definition. never liked it. Oh. I, she was going to show it at wow. her festival. Nicole's uh, my partner and also another programmer in her own right, and she has this great festival in Boston. And I was like, you should show this. It's another anniversary she was like, "Eh, no one really likes it on the team. I was like, you're all wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) So yeah, best of the worst is celebrating all the wrong things that we love because they're right and the audience is wrong. So, you know. So when you
2: say, when you think about how to ascertain the temperature of an audience, you really don't give a shit, do you?
3: Well, I mean, I do. I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to is on purposefully agitate an audience. Mm. But if something doesn't land, I'm also not going to apologize for it. Got you. You know the shows are long, and there's a lot of time. And if you don't like something, don't worry. There's something else coming in less than 15 minutes. I
2: think I've. I think this is a staple of Duke, isn't it? New York TV archive. I think I've. I've seen elements you've shown before.
4: Yeah. Well, okay. This is the second. This is part two of the New York archive. We did part one in 2019. and We haven't been able to do anything. Ah. Okay. Since then. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to explain what it is. Several years ago, the 100 VHS tapes were discovered, not by us, and they were the most incredible recordings from New York Public Access TV you'll ever see. Mm. The person that originally recorded these had the best taste you'll ever find. He recorded stuff that he liked, and he liked the strangest things. You'll ever see. Hold so
2: on, just sorry. Just yes. to, you're saying somebody who's who's recorded off television, off yeah. public access television. Yeah, it's their own private VHS collection. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Carry on.
4: And <laughs> this person lived in Manhattan, and through the late eighties into the mid nineties, they apparently would just keep a blank VHS tape in their VHS in the VH, VCR, and as soon as anything interesting came on public access, just hit record. So these aren't random recordings of just TV of a night. These are effectively already curated. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because there were certain shows that he would always record. And if obviously anything interesting offbeat came on, this person would record them. Now, the thing is, we don't know who this person is. We know the person who got the tapes and they digitized them and we have VH, we have DVD copies of all 100 tapes. It's 300 hours <laughs> of recordings. Now, initially, <laughs> when I started to dig through this, yeah, we were going to do, I was going to do the whole thing As one show. But there's just too much good stuff. Literally every tape has something amazing in it. And I started to realize this doesn't work as one show. Mm. There's enough just in the stuff I've done already. So that's when we decided to do 100 hours per show. So the first show back in 2019 was the first 100 hours. It's the best best 60 minutes of that 100 hours. Mm. I watched all of that and I boiled it down so you can just see the best stuff and I introduce it, and I give you context about what you're going to see, why, you know, why it's interesting, and then... But what he's recorded, what was on public access then, is just wild. There's no filter. So, it...
2: So, so, (laughs) all right, so, I know you would tell us too much, but just because there's no context, because if you give us just the title of what the act is or what the performance is it'll be meaningless to who doesn't know it well, but just to just to point out how outlandish it is what yeah. what's what's an example that's going to be in your well, in your show this, this show this year the second
4: show is mm. the second 100 hours so it's hour 100 through to 200 mm. and there were some stu- some staples that he, this person obviously really loved because of some stuff that turns up again so one of the things that played incredibly well last time was there is a phone-in show called G Street Live which is ba- is introduced by 5 tough New Yorker guys who all look like they're extras from Martin Scorsese movie. And they just sit in the really cheap looking like public access studio with a phone in front of them. And you can ring in and every crazy person that's in New York rings in. (laughs) So it's just like people ringing up to insult them, to swear at them, to threaten them, to argue with them, to just wind them up and they give it back as good as they get. So it's just this absolute, just incredible show you know, swearing, just like anything's going on. And it's just, the, it's just so entertaining. But then there's also the opposite is that, you know, YouTube now is obviously gigantic and people want to be in front of a camera, social media is like that. Public access allowed you to do that before all of that. So there's also a lot of shows that would effectively fit into YouTube now. And one of them is a show called My Craft Show, which is presented by a man called Mark Heskin, who lived in Manhattan. And he wanted desperately to be in show business. And he was a small, uh, he had small parts in sitcoms and soap operas and things like that. But he had his own public access show that documented his day-to-day life in Manhattan and going out of town. And it's just this wonderful snapshot of 80s uh, New York and of this man trying to struggle and try to get parts and try to sort of just, you know, I don't know. It's just his following him around, following him around cycling in Central Park, all these sort of things and all wow. the other things he does. Um, but all this stuff is effectively lost. It's on public access, so a lot of these recordings are probably the only recordings. So you're going to see some stuff that you just don't see anywhere.
2: Anything you're looking forward to in that in, in that regard?
4: God, yeah. There's a lot. I, there are no names for these things,
3: and I don't want to spoil anything. But there's a few shows that keep coming up and repeating. I can tell you through the New York tapes. You know, there's a show called uh, "Stairway to Stardom." which yeah. is a talent show that was on New York Public Access TV. And it's officially my favorite TV show of all time, reality TV show. <laughs> if, you know, anyone finds any episodes yeah. and sends them in, I watch them all the way, not not skip nothing, because I think it's delightful. It's basically, you know, Britain's got talent, but 40 years before, with mm-hmm. no money, <laughs> yeah. and even sort of less, uh, not I'm not going to say less talented people, but people with more sort of varied levels of talent. And, you know, one of the presenter is a sort of a lounge singer himself, and he sometimes will bring on his friends from uh, that world, you know, lounge singers. But these are not the people who are, you know, commanding the performance at the Sands. These are the people who are playing the roadside taverns between Las Vegas and the next town. So it's an incredible snapshot. It's an incredible portrait of people. If you love people watching as much as I do, if you love watching life as much as I do. It's just so entertaining and brilliant. So you never know what you're going to discover at the TV archives.
2: So that brings us nicely on to the closing night. At the Prince Charles again. At the Prince Charles again. So as part of the closing night, you've got uh, Sean Hogan's book launch of Twilight's Last Screaming, which coincidentally is my 600th podcast show. So there's a nice crossover there. We did in that show a if it's confirmed preview of Duke Fest. So now it's confirmed. Do you want to tell us what Sean's book launch is?
3: Sean is an incredible filmmaker uh, whose work I admire deeply and I'm Mm. very honoured to be able to call him friend. And, you know, during the pandemic, he wrote this book that was published called uh, England Screaming. Amazing book. Amazing book. And, you know, it proved beyond a doubt that Sean is disgustingly talented, that he could turn his hand to most things and be successful at it. And the rest of us, uh, you know, hate him with a passion. (laughs) And uh, recently he wrote a sequel. Now, I haven't read it yet because I'm saving it for the long travel period of the autumn. Mm. But as soon as I, you know, he said, oh, we've got a sequel, I knew I'd like to do something with it. And I'd like to do something with Sean. It so happened that Sean was looking for a time slot and a venue to do a launch event. And we're very lucky he's bringing along, you know, another incredible critic, author, uh, all-round sort of uh, art person, Kim Newman, to moderate. Wow. Um, He's also launching a companion piece to the book called That Fatal Shore which looks at Australian horror films. Mm. It's a bit like uh, Three Mothers, One Father, which came with England's Screamings, which yeah. was you know, Euro horror. He,
2: he, he kind of, he kind of like, he goes, here's the book, and you go, oh, that's brilliant, and he goes, just this other one on the side.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, he'll be there to uh, sign, and he'll be there to sort of, you know, talk about it. And he's also picked a film. He's picked uh, The Possession of Joel Delaney, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a rare great horror from the 70s that is not seen often enough. And we're lucky enough that we're showing the very beautiful recent 4K restoration. And you're never going to see this in the cinema. So this is your one chance. You know, it's like like a hugely stacked night. There's Sean, the book, the launch of that fatal show, Kim Newman to moderate, plus the position of Joel Delaney. I mean, there's no reason not to come.
2: We've got a couple of minutes left. Is there anything you've not covered yet that you'd like to sort of shine a torch on as far as what Duke Fest is going to give people?
4: For us, it's just going to be great to be back. You know, we didn't know, not like everybody, we didn't know what was going to happen over hmm. time. So the fact that we came back, we lost our previous bar venue. So we've had so many venues um, and it's always... I've always said to people, the hardest part of doing a night is getting the venue. I know it might seem obvious, hmm. but until you have a venue, you can't actually do the night. When you've got to get the right venue, somewhere that has space, somewhere that has equipment, somewhere that will let you do it. Uh, so we've been really, really lucky to get uh, King and Queen's. Um, it's a great location.
2: Where is that? Where is that?
4: It's in Fitzrovia. It's about five minutes off Oxford Street. So it's super central. Okay. You know, you can get there from Oxford Street uh, or Gooch Street. You know, it's really easy to get to. So that that's been a great bonus so we've got to say thank you and to and a pub
3: with art history you know bob dylan ha- appeared uh, giving a gig in the late 60s twice oh, wow. and you know there there it's an old school boozer and it's great
4: and and on events at the king queens are free but we'll be taking donations to the cancer charity they support but it's free to get in no tickets just turn up like always
2: fantastic well i'll put links in the show notes for all that and all the information and addresses and it just gives me to say Thank you very much for giving your time on the
4: Britflix podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us.